0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adam Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always. I think we're in season eight by the time the show releases because we have so many things going on. And I got to tell you, I want to kickstart. I either want to end 2020 with this show or I want to start 2021 with this show. So for my team that are listening in, we know what we're doing. Guys, you are in for a treat. The person I have on the show today has become a just someone that i've connected with sometimes when you meet someone you just get on like a house on fire this is definitely one of those people at the end of the first interview that we spoke together and i just looked at him and said dude i gotta get you on my show and he agreed so very nicely to do so so today's guest is the one and only dr richard schuster and before we bring bring him on he has one hell of an incredible story to tell he has an incredible offer to share with you guys at the end of this uh so we'll be discussing that a little bit more because it, trust me it's mind-blowing Um, But most importantly, he's a huge nerd, and I love people that are nerdy, so we're going to go into Star Wars and cooking and all the other fun stuff as well. So that being said, uh, please welcome Dr. Richard Schuster to the show. Uh, Hey, Dr. Richard, good to see you.
1: Great to be here. A lot of pressure now. Ah, We're we're using analogies and nerds and Star Wars and cooking, so I'm excited to be here. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Oh, for sure.
0: This is just definitely, I think after our first phone call, we realized there was a lot of commonality. We're like, you should talk for longer. We should definitely do this. Um, but right off the bat, I've got to ask you, so you have one of the most interesting and slightly insane stories that I've heard of specifically going from medical to like very Eastern uh, philosophy and understanding and kind of like marrying the two. Um, but to get my audience a little bit more in depth and caught up to who you are, uh, do you mind just sharing us a little bit about your story?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I likened myself in my youth to a young Tony Stark. And I'll tell you what I meant by that. I, I didn't have the beard then yet that I do now. But in my early That's 20s, <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was doing IT consulting and I bid on a government contract with the Department of Defense, and I had no business winning at all there was no reason that i should have gotten that but i won and it wasn't making missiles and i I wasn't designing weapon systems or anything like that but you know it it gave me a taste of what could be and i that really went to my head pretty quickly i mean i i came home after i won that contract and it, it was sizable. I mean, it was enough to get started, uh, but it wasn't like you know a gazillion dollars. But in my mind, that's what was next. I mean, I would go home and I'm looking on eBay for private islands because you know you can buy private islands on eBay. I, you know, most people yeah, don't. I know did that. not know that. Yeah, I, I was know gonna know. and I was gonna name one after myself, and I was researching private jets, and you know I was gonna have a whole Star Wars done out interior on my private jet, and like this was what was coming to me. I was gonna be was going to be awesome. I was going to be uber successful. And I became so focused on having things for the sake of having things and the money and the power and the women and all the stuff that was going to come with that, right? The thing was, I had gotten a bit away from who I used to be. Like when I was in college, when I was young, everybody had something to offer me. And I was always genuinely curious about people. And then I got into that, I got out of college and I started working and, you know, you just get into this mindset of, well, you've got to, you've got to climb the ladder or create glory or whatever it was. And so as I'm building this IT company, something pretty unexpected happened. And that I got into a car accident in which I I broke my spine and and I almost died. And that was, uh, that was a catalyst essentially for what's going on in my life today. Yeah,
0: because I remember you actually did talk about that. Now, before we jump into this because it's very very interesting and in how we connected specifically was very interesting, I want to talk about today's sponsor for the show. And of course that is your and by the end of this show you'll truly understand what your success insights are and how you can get to your peak performance. I've actually taken the test it takes literally 5 minutes. It's really interesting because that was the thing like you hear Tesco, yeah it's only five minutes i did time this it literally takes five minutes and i have a really bad add brain so if i'm not into it it will take me forever i got it done in five minutes it was incredible so that's a big thing and of course our other show uh the other sponsor of the show is the daily helping which is of course dr richard schuster's podcast which uh helps you out in many many different ways and just wanted to give those two a quick shout out for our show before we jump into my personal question i want to ask you is you started changing things after you broke your back but it wasn't until you had the incident with uh, the other incident basically it was life-threatening that really changed things around so we're going to discuss that in a moment but from car crash to success insights and what you do today what was that
1: journey like you know i i would love to say that you know when i broke when i had the accident and broke my back that i just like shook my fist at the sky and said, from this moment on, I'm only going to help people. It really wasn't like that at all. And really what what happened <clears throat> was during the accidents itself, there's, there's a phenomenon in psychology referred to, we refer to as tachypsychia. And tachypsychia, most people haven't heard of, but essentially tachypsychia is a fancy way of describing you in the matrix when he's dodging bullets. So for people that... Uh, not everybody, but a lot of people that have been in environments where they feel they're about to die or they're, and it's more than fight or flight. Like it's Because when I, when I made a left-hand turn and I was casually making my turn, but I could see this car just screaming through the intersection, I knew I was toast. And, and it wasn't one of these moments where I was pleading to a higher power to spare me. Oh if you if you save my life I'm going to be I'm going to give presents to orphan boys and girls for the rest of my life. It wasn't like that. I knew that I was dead. And, and what took a psyche is, like is really interesting because even though from when the, the car hit me, my airbag goes off and I'm sent into oncoming traffic and I ultimately hit a telephone pole. That's what broke my momentum. Maybe 3 seconds, right? In that moment though, it could have been an eternity and you know, I I can look down and I, I could see my center console crushing into my ribs. Like it was an empty can of Coke. And I, I look up and my windshield has just completely shattered, but I'm seeing like in slow motion, little bits of that glass floating in the air and reflect, refracting off the sun's light. And I'm having this dialogue with myself about, okay, now I'm about to die. And then, okay, then I'm processing what's happening next. What's going to happen next. So, it's a Saturday night. I happened to, I was, wasn't married, wasn't in a relationship at the time, but I happened to know that my parents were out with friends. Well, now I know that they're going to get a call that interrupts them with their friends and and they're going to find out that I'm dead. And I was like visualizing my mom and just, dad just crying, broken, destroyed, my brother then getting that call. Uh, and, I, and I became incredibly guilty about that. Uh, and though the accident wasn't my fault, I then started thinking about, what have i really done that i'm proud of and the answer was not much yeah cool you know so i had i had this this gig with the dod and had a nice car and you know had gone to europe a few times and i had done some cool stuff but like you can't take the car with you you can't take the watch with you you can't take that stuff with you and so what began from that was this, you, you mentioned the journey, and it was a journey, because I would love to say, yeah, I just, you know, I walked away from that tech company, like Tony Stark came back from his experience with this glowing thing in his chest, and, you know, all of a sudden, he's like, we're not making weapons anymore. It wasn't like that for me. I went back to work for two years, and each day I became, after I recovered, that is, I went back to work, and um, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you're going to be. No, it did. It would it, no it, 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 anytime it, soon. Yeah, it took months. But when I got back, everything was kind of like this shade of gray. Like all of the life and color had been sucked out of that experience for me. And the longer I was there, the more miserable I was. And what ultimately happened, you know, when 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 people make change, when they make big changes in their life, oftentimes not all the time, but oftentimes it's pain or fear that moves them in that direction, uh, fear of something horrible happening to them, pain because they've lost a relationship or something's happened. For me, I, I literally was becoming physically ill from being there. Like I, I went to a doctor. Nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. You know, of course, the only thing that was wrong with me is I was making myself sick just because I was so depressed. And yep. so one day I had had enough and I walked away. And I, I told my partners, I'm out, I'm done. I'm not doing this crap anymore. And then began like the darkness. You know, we talk about like the hero's journey, right? Like it's kind of, um, I'm lost. I'm totally lost. I'm sitting in my apartment, just staring kind of into nothing for for weeks on end with with no idea what I'm going to do next. Yeah. Terrified, regret all the people I've let down. Cause I told everybody I was going to rock this thing. Everybody in the world, like I shouted that to the rooftops. And so I failed, right? Like I, that, that was going to be my legacy. And, and now I had no direction in my life whatsoever. And it's interesting. I, I tell people that if Instacart had existed, I don't know if you guys have Instacart in the UK or what they call it there, but uh, if Instacart had existed then, I don't know what I'd be doing now because really the, the the switch was a random encounter at a grocery store. I was in a grocery store and I overheard these two women talking about their teenage daughters on social media and bikini pictures and, you know, making, you know, lewd gestures and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And, um, I I interjected into their conversation. I just happened to be in the right aisle at the right time. And I heard that. And, you know, I had this it knowledge and just shared with them, a couple tips, no agenda, just a few tips they could use to keep their families safer on the internet. And their eyes, like, like I freaked them out. Like, I didn't want to freak them out. That wasn't my intention, but their eyes got huge. And, you know, they're looking at each other with panic and like, you have to come speak at our school PTA. And so, you know, I'm like, we'll have to see if I'm available. You know, of course I was available. So I said, yeah, I think I can fit it in. And so then I went there with no agenda whatsoever, not trying to sell anything. I was just, I made a PowerPoint presentation for the first time that you know I wasn't like trying to sell software or do anything. I just just was trying to be. And all of a sudden, like as I'm up there talking to these people, one, I'm realizing that I love speaking, which was kind of cool. But two, it felt good. And I felt something awaken in me that was alive for the first time in a long time. And as I was doing that. Uh, at the end of it, this guy came up to me from the audience and he was a local police department on this uh, police officer on that cyber crime unit for that city. And he said that you're a really good speaker and you as a civilian can say things that we as law enforcement can And so now I'm teaming up and I'm speaking at schools and uh, this is fun for me. And, and at one of these, a guidance counselor came up to me and said, you know, I heard you talk. We, i have something to ask you we have uh, a, a young boy a, a seventh grade boy who really needs some help we have lots of female mentors but we have no male mentors would you take this kid on again i had lots of time and still money left over from what my company so um sure you know and i and i kept this kid for two years and when i when i got him he was biting which is you know not something seventh graders are typically doing right and parents had split and just in a bad place and and i'm not so arrogant to say i'm the reason he, he improved but i was part of that change process and that was like another little ding, like a little kind of light bulb that went off over my head and and then i decided to apply to graduate school and I got a master's in social work and worked with, uh, you know, a lot of kids who had been in Hurricane Katrina, and I, I saw a lot of stuff that humbled me and, uh, you know, was was really powerful. But I, I wanted more, and so then, I got that doctorate in clinical psychology and advanced training in forensic and neuropsych, and and then now I'm a psychologist, right? So. Uh, I thought that's what I wanted, right? So, okay, I did it. I went to graduate school, which was, for, for those who knew me when I was young, shocking, because I was um, not the best of students in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you, so, say you were
0: disruptive or non-disruptive?
1: I, um, disruptive in my youth. Disruptive, like, from kindergarten to eighth grade, not really disruptive in high school. Uh, but certainly, a bit of, for sure. Yeah, I can sure. see that you would be the total, total class clown, total class clown. And, and, and so uh, you know, and, and college was a lot of beer and Mario Kart in undergrad. So, they're, they're really, you know, I didn't really take academics seriously until graduate school. But you know, now I've, I, I've, I've got my doctorate. I'm practicing. I'm a grown up, or right? I'm married. I'm doing all these things, and I just, I felt like there was something more that I could be doing. And then that's what led me to create the podcast. And so it's wild. You know, I, I do these shows a lot, but it's still surreal to me that you just rattle off 20 years of your life and condense it to five minutes. But um, that's really how I went from the accident. That's really what I, I, I just called it, you know, Richard 2.0 at the time, because like that was a different me, because, but the accident was the catalyst for it. It's amazing,
0: especially considering like the ways that you change around and what you're doing today, so mm-hmm. like guys, just so you know there is a lot of stuff that I'm asking here, and I know the format is a little bit different to who i usually how I usually do this, but you have to also realize Dr. Richard has like um what he's built with your success insights is kind of incredible, and that's why I want like we're driving towards so you know what's happening. But driving towards that, you had another secondary thing that happened. So, like during this time period, had you built success insights before the second thing happened, or was success insights after? Because I feel so like it was before.
1: It was. What happened was when I when I started the podcast because I I felt I, I worked a lot with sexually abused children, and that was heavy work. And a privilege, certainly. I mean, I was grateful to have that impact and and be able to help them. But I was only seeing, you know, to to do these comprehensive assessments takes like eight hours. So there were only so many kids I could see in a week and only so many lives I was touching. And so the podcast, I started to try and have a broader reach. And I I got lucky with it, frankly. I mean, I I started it three years ago and very early on, after several months, uh, a journalist at NBC heard it and reached out to me and I became their brain guy for a little bit. So like they, I, I did these three articles with them. What happens to your brain when you go to the beach, what happens to your brain when you watch football and that's American football for you guys over there in the UK, listening to this, what happens to your brain you know, when you learn a foreign language. And so I was given some really good advice cause I, I was excited, but a little scared about doing that. Cause I was, like a huge stage. And one of my guests said, just no matter what you do, give them the link to your podcast website. Because the way search engines work is if, you know, you go on 10 million little shows and they link to you, who cares? But if if NBC or Cosmo or Huffington Post or some of these people backlink into your show, that's going to shoot you up pretty high and that's what happened. And then I went from like my friends and my cousins and my, my mom listening to my podcast to now we're in 150 countries. And so wow. even then, you know, I, I, I'm not, I mean, you know me, I'm not like a flashy guy and I don't throw my title around. And you know, people started using the term influencer with me. And I said, well, when, okay, so How how did that happen? And then when enough people started using that term that had no connection to each other, then I was like, okay, so I've got a platform and people are apparently going to listen. And so how can I use this platform to create change and thing areas that piss me off? And one of the things that pissed me off as a psychologist was the assessment industry. The assessment industry is a $7 billion a year monster, largely controlled by a few players. And what I didn't like about the industry was number one, it's extremely pejorative. Every test for the most part by design is about finding things wrong with you so that in turn, some medical professional can turn it into a billing code and make, and and bill and it's like a vicious cycle number two the people who need access to them the most often can't get them because it's expensive or you can only get them by going to see somebody like me and paying three to five thousand american dollars to let you take it and then even if you could get the results yourself You couldn't understand it because it's written in such a a way that only a medical professional would be able to make sense of it. It's like when you read legal contracts and they have all these These crazy words in them that only lawyers can understand. It's kind of the same thing with these things. So I, I when I decided to create your success insights. And I started this with a partner of mine that I went to graduate school with. I wanted to do to this industry what Michael Dell did to the PC industry. And, you know, so far, none of the big players, you know, have have sniped me. Like I've gone to conferences and I've seen the booths of these other guys and nobody's, you know, I've never had like a red laser on my chest or anything yet. So that's a (laughs) good sign. Not yet. (laughs) You know, the day is young. But um, yeah, I wanted to do the following. I wanted to create tools that anybody could access, no matter who they are, no matter where they are. Number two, I wanted things that celebrated and highlighted people's gifts and not just their deficits. It's, it's important to know your deficits and where you need to improve, but you should also know what's good about you because you know just knowing strengths or just knowing weaknesses in a vacuum is not good, but you need to know both. <coughs> Number three, I wanted them to be affordable, our most... Expensive offering is $50, 50 USD. Number four, I wanted them to be self-scoring and self-interpreting so that you didn't need a PhD to understand them. And number five, I wanted to build the whole platform on a system where I could reward people financially for helping me help others. So that was the impetus for creating your success insights. And I started this a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we, we have tools, you know, the tool you spoke of is called is our flagship tool. It's called powers. And I'm mm-hmm. an acronyms guy. So power stands for predictor of world class excellence rating scales in which we took a look at all of the data that showed what determine success in life what are the factors empirically associated with success in life and and then we break those down in an algorithm like you said in in five minutes what we've also, but we're in other verticals as well we're in peak performance for athletics we are in peak performance in corporations and balance for employees in large corporations we also are in addiction and recovery and trauma so we play in a lot of different areas for sure.
0: Yeah. That's actually one of the best things about it. Cause by the time this show comes out as well, there's like a whole nother thing, which we're going to touch upon. And I kind of want to like get off of this for just a moment because there is something that this does like the power Report actually does a lot of things. Essentially it lets you know where your three biggest strengths are and your three biggest challenges are and how you can mm-hmm. really mitigate and, uh, for me, it's a case of delegating part of my weaknesses and being like, I don't need to do this. I can get someone else to do that. That is the thing they do. And I will focus on things that I'm good at because while I do believe that you need to have a decent level of understanding of your weaknesses, you don't need to constantly reinforce them all the time. Like I'm going to focus just on my weaknesses and not really focus on my strengths. Play to your strengths and then like strengthen your weaknesses by bringing other people in. Uh, very similar. So essentially what I'd say is It's the equivalent of being a Sith Lord, like Darth Sidious himself. You're the most strongest one of them all, but you bring in an apprentice or two to delegate the parts of your plan that you don't really want to take care of, like corrupting a young Anakin Skywalker.
1: I I like that, Uh, although I I, I wouldn't invoke the rule of two for that. I would say delegate to as many people as you need, but...
0: Okay, or we can switch over to the de- Jedi Order, the o- older Jedi Order, like the qui Jin Jinn Jedi Order that would have mm. been, had he been around, where, you know, you're, you're taught to question things, or if mm-hmm. you want, the Brotherhood of Assassins, okay? The Assassin's Creed people. If you want to go there, we'll go with them.
1: I- I'll go with they- all of it.
0: <laughs> it's all yeah. the above. Yes. I started playing Black Flag again because of you. So good.
1: I'm glad I had that influence on you.
0: Yeah, because it's it's been sat on my Xbox for like absolutely ages. Like I've completed this, but I've not played on my Xbox One yet. I have time. It's gonna play on Black Flag when I get a free moment. It's really relaxing. I'm going be checking out Odyssey when I get back from uh, from my trip, because uh, I know yours is Origins is your favorite. That one really connects. For sure, I love Origins. So curiously, like uh, so, the story about Star Wars, and this is very important because I believe everyone has their Star Wars defining moment for me. It was going with, I think it was my sister I went with when I was like five or six years old. Um, saw it in the theater when they did the re-release. But you had a very, very interesting experience because you've been able to replicate your experience with your kid, like with your kids. So I'm very curious, like what was your very first Star Wars exposure? Because this is like when it first came out.
1: Yeah, so so you're, you're dating me here. But yeah, I saw so episode four in the theater in 1977. That was the first movie I ever saw. My father took me to see that show. And I just sat there wide-eyed. For whatever reason, I have like a vivid memory of the Tusken Raiders carrying Luke unconscious. And I just remember turning to my dad like... I was already like emotionally invested in Luke and I hardly knew anything about Luke. That was so, you know, in hindsight, so powerful about that movie. Like you immediately were connected to the characters. But uh, that was a, a life-changing moment for me as a, as a kid because my whole childhood was Star Wars. And, you know, I, I would earn my allowance and, and then it, it became like this thing because I, I would get allowance and then my parents would take me to Toys R Us and I would pick out my allowance. My, my $1 was worth an action figure. And I remember um, just being able to get basically one a week. And so I, I, I loaded up pretty quickly on a collection. And, and so, you know, like when it was, you know, when I was six, I was Darth Vader and my dad like took this giant cardboard tube and we painted it and it was like this you know, like neon pinkish lightsaber and just, he, he used to bring, uh, bring things home from work. Like these empty plastic containers, and like I would um, fill them with water and put Han Solo in it and stick that thing in our freezer and just, I would just like have a block of ice melting on the floor, (laughs) much to my mother's chagrin. Or I would, you know, the the thing that was also interesting is that we would, my brother and I, as he got old enough to play with me, um, like when Empire came out, between Empire and Jedi, like the thing I, so I grew up in, in Detroit, Michigan. So when the winter came, like we, you just it was hoff all the time, right? So right. we're out there, out there with our figures, and we would lose them. We would just lose figures, and then when the the spring would come, they would thought, oh, well, there's that stormtrooper, like because you know, as the snow would melt. So yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I just I have such cherished memories of Star Wars, and then I had a cool moment where when Episode three came out, which at the time we all thought was going to be the last star Wars movie. Yeah. So that was 2005 and I had an opportunity to take my father to see that, which was really cool. A cool moment for me. And then when episode seven came out, I had a chance to take my son who was just about the same age that I was when I saw episode four in the theater. And yep. just very like it at all these different levels, and the movie wasn't even that good. I, I did not like the prequel trilogy at all. But nope. um, when, but the, I just being able to sit there and look at him sitting next to me and with a bucket of popcorn that's way too big for him, and um, you know how excited he was, and it, it just it was like this multi generational parent son moment that was just cool as hell
0: that is just amazing and i i love the fact you can feel the actual love in the way that that's transcended down now curiously about star wars have you seen the clone wars tv show
1: oh yeah i loved it i well i i in the big clone wars tv show is like star trek the next generation it, it it had a rocky start yeah with but by the end oh my it God. was I'm so good I'm half like yeah. the
0: only sh- the only episodes I can't really get into are the overly political ones. I'm like I usually tend to skip through those and quickly read a synopsis on them. Uh not all of them, but some of them, because like, you know, just a random planet attack where it doesn't really hold any bang on the next episode. I'm like, cool. If um,
1: I if I could meet Dave Filoni I would give him a huge hug because mm, his Star Wars him. is more Star Wars than anything, with the exception of Rogue One, which I loved. Um you know, brilliant. it's just everything he's made is, is amazing. And it's the, right, that's right. Like he gets Star Wars better than anybody. And you know, the Clone Wars by the end. So what season are you on right now? Like three? Four.
0: four? Five. I'm, a four, four I'm
1: closing on a five. Like, All I right. Be on five, I mean, five, six, and seven are pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And, and then Rebels was a brilliant show in its own right. Yeah. So um, they, they've done a great job with that
0: yeah uh without a doubt it's like one of the craziest and and the thing is i actually went back and watched the very horrible clone wars movie you know oh my god it was I unwatchable have... unwatchable oh i get so much shit from it to this day from family members because of what happened because you got to bear in mind i was like 11 years old 12 years old when it came out and i I'm sold on Star Wars. Like Star Wars has been my thing. I forgave the Phantom Menace because I was too young to have a critical mind over this kind of thing. Actually, it would have been at oh, like 13. It was when the first Spider-Man movie came out, basically, like one with Tobey Maguire. So you have Spider-Man, Star Wars opening literally the same weekend. Now, my family, everyone's like, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to go see Star Wars because that's why we're going to the cinema. Like I've been told I'm going to see Star Wars. Fine. Get there and everyone's like, oh, we're going to go see Spider-Man. I'm like, no, no, no. You're going to go see Spider-Man. I'm going to go watch Star Wars. Like, You're a kid. I'm like, I don't care. I got popcorn. I got Star Wars. I'll be fine. For some really weird reason, I managed to persuade them to go to see Star Wars, which is a regret I have. Because I had never lived that down. Like last 17 years of my life. Remember that one time you said that like Star Wars was better than Spider-Man and then you were wrong? (laughs) Never lived it down. Because everyone fell asleep during the movie, I was waiting for one scene, which is Yoda being a badass, and he was for like three minutes, and that was it. You were done. It was like the longest, crappiest, <laughs> anticlimactic scene ever. So,
1: I, I never I, lived that down. You know, the the Phantom Menace was George Lucas said he wrote it basically from the perspective of a child, and let's face, you know, if, uh, these movies are are designed to sell toys. And at least the, certainly the, the prequel trilogy was. And he uh, so he wrote that, you know, where you're basically, you know, it, it's a 10-year-old boy and they want you to view it through the eyes of a child. I, I think yeah. Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are tolerable, uh, if not good. I, I actually, once, I, I like Revenge of the Sith a lot once they get past like Fun there's ones. it's funny Fun. like there's a silly moment where they're you know rescuing and I, I did air quotes for those listening of course uh rescuing the chancellor and like yes. r2s fighting these super battle droids and they're like it's like uh you know silly humor and they're slipping in oil slicks and like that's nonsense but after that mo, after they got off that star destroyer whatever the uh venator yeah. class whatever I think they called them and they got it they got off that and it became really dark really fast oh yeah it, and, that, that,
0: the speed of how it went dark was insane
1: yeah you know so i i liked that movie you know i mean hayden christensen it's just and you know, i don't know if it was the writing but like
0: It's not that, it's what they played him as. And this is something that I, for years, I wondered about. Sorry to interject here, but like it was something I realized uh, just like about two years ago. If you watch him from the perspective of who the character's meant to be, I'm like, he overly embodied the character, if that makes sense. He kind of lost his ability to act and became too much of. And that was the case of uh, when he. So he was acting like someone that's confused, distraught, doesn't really know what's going on, feels betrayed by multiple people, d- like is in love and told that he shouldn't be in love. So he's got this internal conflict going on all the time. And they're like, that's the reason he comes off the way he does. It's also because he wants to give enough of a perspective that the audience can like marinate into his confusion. Which I thought was brilliant, but I think the execution was slightly off, personally speaking. But I did like Revenge of the Sith more after watching Clone Wars.
1: Yes, it scene. it made it a, it made it a better movie for sure. Doubt, and and see- when you uh I won't spoil anything for you, but when you finish Clone Wars, then you you'll feel that even more. But um
0: yeah, you know. I've been told this. I'd still say one of the one of the only scenes in Revenge of the Sith that really like for me was like the darkest turning moment uh like how quickly it unraveled because I remember it was a whole thing with uh what's it called anakin is what was it mace windu oh my god i can't remember so was it plo koon and um one of the other jedis who's like whose name i cannot remember but oh shock t no it wasn't shock t. they get completely destroyed and eviscerated by the chancellor
1: yeah it was Kid fisto
0: that's, that's the one was. thank mm-hmm.
1: you kit,
0: kit fisto was there no charge uh thank you for the right i was like my brain was like i know what he looks like but why can't i remember his name anyway so you got all three of them completely like two of them get wiped out within seconds because judging how good uh, what was it uh palpatine sidious is but it was that moment when while this is all going off and then executing order 66 the speed of that darkness that whole Everything was just incredible. Like it was without a doubt one of the most, uh, for me, one of the most.
1: Another, another thing that I really liked about *Revenge of the Sith* is the they had these moments where tension was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like the scene where just before that, where Mace Windu tells Anakin, you know, basically, hang out here if you're telling the truth, and you know, we'll exonerate you, kind of. And so he's sitting there. And they play this dark music, and it's just a shot of him and a shot of Padme and back to him, and you know, and then he just jumps in that jet and leaves. But the the one scene, the one shot, it's not even the shot that I really stuck with me, and it was a brilliant shot when they're on Mustafar, and she's talking to him, and he's she is realizing that he's totally gone to the dark side. And then it pans, and then um, he goes liar. And then there's the shot of Obi Wan just standing there, yeah. And, and you know what's about to happen. I mean, you you know anybody who's a fan of Star Wars, I mean, that's that moment that they've wanted to see, especially from my generation, like forever, right? Like, so it, it's such a great film. Um, yep. And you get to see the making of Vader, but I
0: gotta say that that lightsaber duel between Obi Wan and, Epic. and I, without a doubt, one of the top five saber duels I've ever seen in like a Star Wars movie. I mean, like the other one, I'd say like doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion, but it does make the whole movie um, Phantom Menace.
1: Yes, you know, I saw Phantom Menace. So this was um, I, I was working at the time. I, it was this was my last job before that. I. I had started that IT consulting company. So I was an independent contractor and I was working the night shift. With the, It was such an odd collection of people because you have to be a special person to work from like 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. in the first place. And so uh, we, what we did was we were converting all of these computers for Y2K compliance, which might have just been a scam in hindsight. And uh, so on this particular night we had gone and we would sometimes it wasn't really 11 to seven like we actually would start earlier and we would when we would finish we'd go home and so um i had an opportunity so they had a midnight showing of episode one and the so to get tickets to it like was no problem but because my friend had bought a ton and he's like hey i've got one if you can come the issue was getting the work done and like nope. there was a, a surfer failure and they had to cancel the night. We all got paid anyway, but it was like miracle of miracles. And so like <laughs> I rushed to the movie theater and met my friends and just like, I was so excited. And then as soon as I saw Jar Jar, like my heart sunk in the the pod raising, and I'm like, oh, I can't, oh, I can't believe we, this, we're not- but no, we won't, we won't go into it, but when when darth maul when those doors opened and he pulled that hood back and the music duel of the fates, fates. that i got chills and that like, was unreal and, and they've actually you know speaking of clone wars they've done a really good job of fleshing out darth maul and making him yeah more Ball. than just you know a scary guy with a lightsaber so
0: um, yeah but- I really like the story that you used with Darth Maul and how he's gone. To, and again, Rogue One as well with the Red Dawn, uh, with how they were doing it. That was, I really enjoyed Rogue One. Uh, that wasn't Rogue One, sorry. That was Solo. Yeah, that was Solo. solo. Yeah, but Rogue One was amazingly wonderful.
1: Rogue One was great. Rogue One was, you know, and, and it was funny. I, I went with my wife and two friends to see Rogue One. And when it ended know, she's like getting up and she's like, Are you coming? And I'm like, No, I need a moment. And she's just like, Why? I said, Because I get to be four years old again and let me be four years old again. Cause mm-hmm. I just in that moment that brought everything back. I mean it, it ended in the opening crawl of episode four. So emotionally I was there again with my Bam. dad and yeah. yeah. I mean it was incredible. It was just just amazing.
0: And without a doubt let's let's not even we can't lose this but how fucking awesome was and terrifying was Darth Vader when the whole scene goes black and you just see his red saber and you're like, oh yeah, it shit.
1: So, it was so good. It, it was so good. I I that you scene, know,
0: the, the entire crowd that I was in, you could physically feel the emotion of everyone kind of going, This is what we've waited almost 30 mm-hmm. years for. Like we've waited yeah, for the to just
1: see Vader just, you know, really and, and he wasn't really in his prime. I mean, he was, you know. But he was just kicking ass you know so yeah, yeah it was incredible it's it incredible
0: just an <laughs> incredibly good uh and incredibly powerful so as you can see we are huge star wars now too we yes tend to do this um but what i will say there was like some elements from star wars that i really really enjoy that there's there so many like marketing lessons and ideas and ideation that come in but one of the things i really like, kind of want to take it back to is the second incident that I've been Mm. alluding to, but I haven't really talked about it. You have.
1: You've been dropping teasers. Um, Yeah, so if the the car accident made 2.0 version of me, this was the 3.0 version of me. And so I was really lucky with that car accident where I broke my spine. Hey, listen, if you're going to break your spine, T5 is where it's at because it's just that perfect sweet spot where... You're not going to be a paraplegic or a quadriplegic. It just gets you in the right spot, and, and so that was my one kind of brush with with almost death. And uh, not long ago, and not long before you and I met, uh, was my second inc- incident, and mm-hmm. uh, I had suffered a stroke. And I'll kind of give a, a little bit of backstory with that because I, you know, the the irony is, you know, we created your success insights and the powers in particular i mean the tagline for powers is powers puts the balance in work life balance and here's the thing i thought i had work life balance and the reason why i thought that was because i love everything that i do like you love everything that you do and right. that's a lie that entrepreneurs tell ourselves like we it's like our badge like badge of honor we i love what i do so it's not really work That's a load of shit. The reality is... (laughs) I'm glad to say that. The reality is, uh, if you hate your job, your world is much more stressful than if you love what you do. But I was still burning the candle at both ends. Uh, On the day of the stroke, I got up at 5 a.m., did my morning routine and my meditation and gratitude journaling and worked out and did all that stuff, did podcasts, I worked, now I would always stop. So so here's the trick, like why I tricked myself. I would stop when my kids came home. And I would spend quality time with them and my wife and we'd have dinner together and make food and read stories and bath time. And I'd put them down, put it right back on the laptop. And so that day of the stroke, you know, essentially with the exception of that break for dinner with the kids, 5 a.m. to like 10 o'clock at night, And that was typical for me. And Mm -hmm. I was always finding new opportunities and relationships. And you know, there was a late night podcast that go on late night for me, because it was West Coast, and I'm East Coast here in the States. And, you know, you just can't keep doing that. And so I went to bed, pretty fired up, like I, you know, great meeting and full of enthusiasm. I had just done a Ted talk and that went well. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm firing on all cylinders. Like I'm really like, I have found what I thought my sweet spot. And then at about 2.30 in the morning, I woke up and I was thrashing around. And I keep thinking of the that fish in slow motion, that video from third eye blind Uh, a long ways ago yeah but like i'm i'm just like i i don't feel right and i'm i'm hot and i'm anxious and i'm restless in a way that i've never felt before and i grabbed the pillow out from under my wife's head and i just ripped it out from under her and she sits up and she looks at me what the fuck (laughs) that's what she said (laughs) because you know like why would i do that why would I do that? Why would I pull the pill out from under her head, and I didn't say something's wrong. I didn't say I need help. I just looked at her and I said, "I'm sorry." <laughs> she goes, "Ah, <laughs> oh God!" She just like sighs, collapses, goes back to bed. I went back to bed, which is stupid because my brain's my brain is bleeding, and so fortunately, the dog starts barking at five o'clock in the morning. Okay, so. If Two and a half hours has passed and it's my, like, it's my shift. So um, when I get out of bed, I'm very groggy. I'm not quite steady and I don't quite feel right, but I also took an antihistamine the night before because I was super allergic and I took it late because it was on that late meeting. So like in my mind, I'm just trying to like figure out, oh, okay, took this at that time. Yeah, it could still be that. So like I, I kind of stumbled my way downstairs and then uh, it was a puppy and we were trying to crate train him and not successfully. So he had crapped in his cage and I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. So now I've got to go back up the stairs because, you know, the the protocol for that is, one person has to take this dog who has jumped in it and he's covered in crap and actually like carry him outside so that he doesn't track it all over the house. And the other person has to start cleaning. So um, I was going to be the outside person, which I think was the better end of the deal.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, you you are lucky for for
1: sure. So I kind of stumble my way back upstairs and I, I tell my wife, you know, there'd be crap in the cage and she shoots up. She's like, you're slurring your words. And I'm like, huh, well, you know, Benadryl can do that, I guess. And we're like, okay. So, go downstairs, we get the dog to the front door, put the leash on him, open the door so I can take him out. And I pull out my cell phone to go turn on the flashlight because, you know, it's pitch black. And I realized I don't know how to use my phone anymore. And in that moment, that was like Bruce Willis in the Sixth Sense. I like, was like, boom, like flash okay I can't walk straight boom my speech slurred I don't know how to use my phone like all these clues that were in front of me all along now clicked I've had a stroke how's that even yeah. possible so I tell my wife that okay I've had a stroke I've got to get to the hospital immediately and so you know now you know sh- we're waking the kids up and tell them daddy's we have to go, we have to go, and we get the kids in the car. And My kids are seven and five, so we tell them I've got a headache. And then my wife drops me at the hospital, and because of COVID, nobody, nobody can come in with you, of course. So I have to stumble my way to this plastic tent at the front of the hospital where there's a woman basically in a wait, hazmat wait. suit.
0: This happened during COVID? I thought this was like last year.
1: No, I didn't this, know this
0: was like a couple of months ago.
1: This was a couple of months ago.
0: Fuck. Okay. Anyone listening to this? Yeah, we've got like a guy who basically came out and sounds normal again.
1: Yeah, it it's it, kicking ass. It, it, I I have a history of proving doctors wrong, and I and I pride myself on that. I basically don't like being told I can't do something or that told no. You if you are yeah. told you can't do something, that is your trigger yeah, to go the, do the thing. it. It is. It absolutely is. So I uh, <laughs> I wander up to this this tent, and the lady said. Uh, what's going on with you? I said, I believe I've had a stroke. And she goes, well, what do, how do you know what are your symptoms? And I, I said, well, this, this, and this. And she said, okay. So they, they take me in. First thing they do is they give me a COVID test because they don't want anybody with COVID into the actual hospital. And so COVID was negative. Hooray. And so yeah. then uh, the emergency room doctor comes to visit me. And Sorry,
0: I just uh, had to kick my cat out of the room.
1: Oh, you know that's fine. This story might be upsetting to your cat, and and so um, they do this thing, right? Like so. And now, mind you, I'm trained in neuropsychology, and I've worked with stroke patients, so I know all this stuff. What they're what they're doing, and it's there's an irony to that even of itself. And so they're like, "Repeat after me." I'm going to say three words, and so like they're doing the stuff. Touch your nose and you know, wiggle your toes and and I can do all that stuff. And so now they're skeptical. And this ER doc in particular is very skeptical. He's like, well, you're not having trouble with your words. I said, I'm slurring my speech. He says, I don't hear that. I, you know, and I said, you don't know my baseline. He said, well, you're, you know, people that have stroke have significant difficulties with syntax and putting sentences together. I said, listen to me. I said, you don't know my baseline. I said, I'm a speaker. I said I, I don't, I'm probably and I don't mean this to sound arrogant in any way but like I I'm probably in the top 1% in terms of verbal skills like that's my bag like that's that's what I'm best at. So when you're starting from a higher threshold it's different than if your verbal skills are say below average then you sound like you know, like, like that. Now I could make sentences and I could articulate so he didn't believe it. And then he goes, well, we'll do a CT scan. He does a CT scan and the CT is negative. So he's discharging me, right? He says, I'm going to discharge you. Great news, you didn't have a stroke. And so I know I had a stroke. And I, I told him, listen to me very carefully. I said, I'm a doctor. I said, and you know as well as I do, that ischemic strokes don't show up on a CT scan. They only show up on an MRI and you need to do an MRI right now. And I, in that moment I heard the voice of my first mentor at my first job out of college, who, who it was a sales job. And he would always tell me when you're making a proposal or you're giving somebody an offer with a price, don't talk because whoever's the next one to talk is the one that gives in. And so I just stared him in the eyes and that makes people uncomfortable too. So Nobody talks to the like doctors like that. So like the nurses are freaking out and the techs are freaking out and they're looking at each other and looking at him, looking at me back and forth. And I'm just staring at him and he rolls his eyes eventually and says, okay, we'll do your MRI. And they do the MRI and the stroke was uh, right off, like a shot across the bow, right off my basal ganglia. And I won't go crazy with neuroanatomy and bore your audience, but um, I missed it by a millimeter Literally. Wow. Yeah. And, and so had I hit that, and that's a major center of your brain, I don't know that we'd be here today. Even so, yeah. uh, I had a huge droop in my face. Um, I couldn't eat solid food because I failed the swallow study or, or, or the swallow test. Basically, the same muscles for speech are used for swallowing, right? So they worry about if you have any issues with those muscles that you could wow. – aspirate on food and die. And so, you know, they put me on a liquid diet. Um, at this point I couldn't, I could get into my phone cause I remembered by this point, Oh, thumbprint sweet. You know, so thumbprint worked, but in my mind I would know what letters I would want to hit to text people like my wife updates, for example, but my fingers couldn't hit those keys anywhere near. So I was pretty screwed up and, uh, you know, obviously, once once they saw the MRI, the guy never apologized, but uh, I, I probably saved his career <laughs> because what would have happened is, you know, it, it's not the first stroke. It's the post, you know, it's the after strokes. That's what happened to Luke Perry. That's how he died. He had the stroke, but it was what followed. And he went to a hospital too, but the they're kind of like earthquakes right like you can have one but then there's these I liken them to aftershocks and so um they immediately gave me blood thinners and admitted me and and I that first night was scary like admittedly like I I didn't sleep at all and I found my way into my phone and, and had a picture of my my wife and my kids and our puppy and I just kept saying to myself stay alive stay alive like because I you know they they it's not like they check on you every two seconds. They come every four hours to check on you and the hospitals, you know, understaffed and, you know, cause of COVID and whatnot. So, um, I made it through obviously that night and then, exactly. and, and the way that I've always operated is when bad things happen to me, I give myself a day, so to speak. And then it's like time for a Rocky montage and kicking ass. And so I, I was spent, The rest of my time in the hospital, more or less, with my eyes closed, visualizing I am healthy, I am well, I'm on stage, I'm back. And I made myself like a kick-ass playlist um, with all these like cheesy 80s, like her songs from, like, Karate Kid and Transformers, the movie, and the Rocky 4 soundtrack. and um, Rocky 4
0: soundtrack, let's give it greatest, greatest,
1: The greatest, greatest workout soundtrack of all time.
0: Without a doubt. Hearts Period. on fire. Give me oh a better God. song.
1: Give yeah, me a better song. The, the best. The best. <laughs> um, so, um, two weeks. I, yeah. I All of my symptoms resolved in two weeks.
0: Fuck, that's amazing.
1: And then about a month after that, I gave a virtual talk on exactly this so um, yeah again, I got pretty lucky where that stroke was but um, mindset matters a lot with health and so I recognize you know so then then after we after the aftermath of this is now because nobody could really tell me what happened right like the first thing they started looking at was um, you know my heart, and my heart was fine. And, you know, they, and that's why they did the COVID test as well. They did a second COVID test because we now know COVID can cause stroke and heart attacks, even in otherwise healthy people. Huh. And, and, that. oh yeah, it's uh it, but it's a different presentation. It's more of an embolic meaning a clot that blows versus what I had. And so right. it wasn't COVID. It wasn't, endocrinology or endocrinology related. It wasn't my thyroid. It wasn't some other hormone. So we ruled all that out. It wasn't sleep apnea ruled that out again. Then they sent me to another cardiologist and I had to wear a 24 hour heart monitor for almost a month. Heart's perfect. Heart's perfect. And and so with everything ruled out and then they wanted to just keep telling me, well, it had to be a hypertensive event. There's nothing else that makes sense. Except that I worked myself basically almost to death, and so then my neurologist had basically said, "Here's the deal: you can't work so much. You can't work seventy hours a week anymore." And so I had to cut my hours down radically, literally because my life depended on it. And so I That's went from too? yeah, it's a good reason. And so I went from seventy to twenty-five. And not because I wanted to. Again, I love what I do. I get. But the funny thing was at 25, I still got everything done that I would have otherwise gotten done at 70. And how is that possible? How does that even make remote sense? So I started researching it because I'm a scientist. And it turns out I'm not the first person who, who's thought of this, but they've studied it. And there's pretty good data that suggests that not only are we capable of doing in 25 hours a week, what most people do in 40, our productivity actually decreases after 25 hours a week. And so I'm now kind of this new mission that I've created for myself, that the stroke has created for me is to help people really find balance in their lives. Because one, life is precious. And two, we don't have to kill ourselves to, really have everything that we want and Great. i i have always we talked about this you know you and I, I think on our first call like i don't like status quos i have always challenged the status quo since i was a little kid mm-hmm. and who the hell says we have to work 40 hours a week why because it's right. always been done you know it, it's stupid it's it's like who says we have to eat pancakes in the morning we need pancakes whenever the fuck we want to eat pancakes, right? It so, damn good. That's right. You know, like, really, again, you know, like pancakes and sausage, how's that really from an ingredient standpoint, much different than a hamburger? It's not, right? No. So, there's these social constructions around work, around culture, around how we're supposed to live our lives. And, you know, so I, I am now working very hard to help individuals balance their lives and companies, bring balance to employees by having them work fewer hours. And the powers is, ironically enough, we had already created that. Uh, So that's a big piece of that. And it's funny, like it all kind of clicked. I had all these ideas uh, sitting in the hospital and then I thought, because they hadn't given me my cognitive testing yet, so I didn't know yet if I had any memory impairment. And I'm having all these ideas. And I thought, that's really a good. Dude. God, I hope I I hope I remember this. <laughs> I hope I don't forget it. Uh, but so the, the stroke has really transformed what I'm doing now. That's incredible. That is
0: absolutely incredible. Because like one of the things that you really... I know I'm very wary of time. We have only got a couple of minutes left. But one of the things I really want to show you guys and talk to you guys about specifically, and you'll find this out later in the show notes one of the things that dr richard is really doing from the back end of this is creating almost a um, what's it called an intuitive coach that basically Mm. works on your results from your powers powers report and checks in with you so it's not just like hey have you eaten enough proteins today it's more like hey have you done it's far more intuitive and i'm gonna get him to just explain that part so if you could dr richard how does it work per se
1: yeah thank you so the idea that I had from this is like, okay, so, you know, why do we not make change? For example, if you know you need to lose weight, if you stand on the scale and you look at the scale and it's a number that doesn't make you happy, why then do we go and eat fish and chips, right? Like that's a bad thing to do. So I wanted to create accountability for people in a way that, because that's what works is that if you, if you have, that's why masterminds work because you basically declare to a group of people that you're going to do something and they're, they're holding you accountable and you don't want to look like an ass if you don't do it. People are successful when you have accountability or more successful, but I also recognize we're in a COVID world. And again, like keeping with the philosophy of your success insights, I didn't want people who, couldn't afford a $200 an hour coach to, you know, miss out on this. So I said, all right. So I told my team, I said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to create an algorithm that works with the powers. So if you take powers and and you mentioned this earlier, you get your strengths and your weaknesses and, and and mind you, a, a thing about the weaknesses, there's nothing that is identified on powers that you can't improve. So, you know, these these identified issues can all be addressed. And I think that's important for people to realize that. But so it will feed your results into the system. So if you are a workout animal and your health is awesome, it's not going to ask you. It's not going to say, hey, did you get on the treadmill today? Did you have your eight glasses of water today? What it's going to do is it's going to interactively connect with you and, and check in with you on those things that are problem areas for you. And so that's really cool because now you've got (coughs) for basically the price of a cup and a half of coffee each month, you've got a digital accountability partner who is going to help you hold accountable and it's going to track and change over time. So as some areas improve, it's going to focus less on those things and more on the things that you're having challenges with. And then we've also, because humanity is is more important than ones and zeros, you know, we have a, a very supportive Facebook community where you can actually connect with real people and a leaderboard and it makes it fun. And uh, you know, I, I feel like we've cracked a bit of a nut here In terms of making change and doing so in a way that's accessible, easy, and affordable for everybody. And that's important. I mean, I really want everybody to be able to to have access to these things.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually very important here. And something I'm going to just, because I was looking through like my own powers report while we were doing this. So to give you guys an idea, like one of the places that I've got to improve on is my diet, specifically dietary habits and how I snack. Because I have a horrible snacking problem because um, I love snacking. It's just really, really fun. But food-wise, when I sit down to cook, quite healthy and we enjoy that and unfortunately dr richard and i didn't get around to eating like talking about food which i'm sure we'll do on a supplementary call we later have on. to do that yes because yeah, there's just so many good <clears> recipes <throat> that like we didn't even get into but we will so guys please go check out your dot also go subscribe to the i cannot remember your other name what's it called the daily dose no
1: the daily daily the helping.com Helping. um, yes com. Out.
0: Go check out both websites. I would definitely recommend you check out the powers uh, report itself. Just go ahead and sign up. It's 50 bucks. It's not even, it's a drop of water. Seriously, just go ahead, get it. It will really revolutionize the way you think about yourself. The report itself, uh, mine was 33 pages. I don't know if they're all 33
1: pages. They, they are about that long. The What it does, and so for those of you who are like, I'm not reading 33 pages, you don't have to. We've got a, a beautiful summary for the first couple pages that tells you everything you need to know, but that algorithm is going to create a really detailed guide for a whole lot of different areas of your life and how your specific results come to that. Actually, can I throw a... Uh, i to throw a, a direct URL to that to make it, yeah. make it easier. So you cool. can, you can check the powers at at www.seekyourpowers.com and get it right there.
0: Seekyourpowers.com guys, go check it out. It is incredible. Uh, we didn't even get to ask some of the more ridiculous questions I get to ask on the show, which is why we're saving them up for round two. But with that being said, uh, guys have an amazing weekend. Go check out the powers report, get it done. Seek your uh what's it called seek your oh my god wars. what the hell i had it seek, <laughs> seek your powers yeah. i had this uh, the worst part was i had the url in front of me and then for some reason <laughs> as i went to read it It just rejigged i was like oh god damn it what am i looking at so seekyourpowers.com um he's absolutely brilliant and as always dr richard thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story with us your insights and the humor and the love of star wars and everything that would be in between
1: i love i love being here and can't wait for round two someday. For sure. We'll definitely get that booked
0: in for you guys and for me and him because I love talking to the guy. Um, Guys, check him out everywhere you can. As always, have an amazing weekend. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show uh, because they help us out with our ratings. And I'll see you next week. Take care.